Hello and welcome to the Jabroni Show on CFRC 101.9 FM. And I'm not going to lie, our setup has gotten a bit of an upgrade. I mean, we logged into our normal recording software this morning and there's video options now. I mean, it won't affect you guys on the radio, but as far as I haven't seen this guy, I haven't in months because of the lockdown. So it's, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice switch up, nice change of pace. Yeah, I agree. We're we're just flexing on all the people who, I mean, don't record with cameras now. I feel it's more professional, even though we're not more professional. Um, I was just telling you before we started recording. I'm all the way back in on basketball. Football season's over. Um, during football season, I was kind of like I got very excited at the beginning of basketball, like who wouldn't naturally see how every uh, team and player fits with their new team and how all the trades and signings work out. But like there's like a, like a four or five week period in January where I wasn't feeling it too much. Um, like I just said, I'm all the way back. I watched in the past four days today. I watched we're recording on Sunday. Today I watched the Michigan Ohio state game. Yesterday I watched the Yukon Villanova game. I watched both the games on Thursday. Anyways, I'm I'm all back in. I I feel like I've amassed over thirty hours of basketball in these like what past two. I don't know, like past <laughs> past past four days. I'm fired up. That's what I'm saying. That's all. I mean, it's good to hear, and that seems like a healthy amount considering the state of everything. I mean, there's even basketball going on today. I don't know if you've tuned into the uh, Celtics or Pe- and Pelicans game this afternoon, but oh, I haven't yet. But um, the Sixers Raptors game, I'm excited for that too tonight. That should be an interesting one. I mean, do we want to just kick it off right with some Raptors talk? They've. I'm glad that at the start of the season we never got into full slander mode. I mean, because it wasn't necessary. I mean, I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm I'm standing by our takes, and I think they've stood true that we never got we never freaked out too much. We said, okay, maybe we're not going to get a great seeding this year, but we're still mm-hmm. going to make the playoffs. I mean, look at the teams in the East; it'd be impossible not to make the playoffs. Honestly, with our roster, we've got a good young core. They're in a new situation that honestly kind of sucks in Tampa Bay, and once they adapt, they'll be all good. Yeah, I don't think it's even the like adaptation. I think it, it like. Obviously, they're more comfortable, but I, I just think I think um, Nurse's, like, rotation has gotten much better. And, like, honestly, like, we're just playing better. I mean, at the beginning, we were we were saying, even when we were, what, like, 2-8, and eight, we knew we were better than Cleveland, Detroit, Orlando, Atlanta. I think we're better than Miami, as crazy as it sounds. Miami, uh, Chicago, New York, um, Charlotte. That would put us 6 where we are right now. And personally, I think we're better than Indiana now that the whole old depot trade happened in the, in the Levert stuff. And then you look at Boston who they just announced today, they're not getting Marcus Smat back uh, until all after the all-star break. Milwaukee's been struggling. They won last night. Thank God for them. Like, yeah, no, the, the possibility of the Raptors being a four seed um, is extremely, extremely high. If not four seed, I, I think like lowest seed we could go is like, what, maybe six. I can't really imagine seven unless if, Atlanta somehow turns it on and I Miami doesn't Miami's I, I don't think they're as good as people think either so yeah I'm all the way back on I, I was never all the way out on the Raptors but I'm all the way back in the sense that like I don't know I don't know how we do with Philly and Brooklyn in a series but you really break it down I think we're you know like 
I think we're better than Boston. We've clearly shown that we can beat Milwaukee. Um, we can definitely beat Miami and all those other teams in the playoff series. I like there's a situation where there's a path to the finals, in my opinion, or like close to the path, a path in the finals. So yeah, I'm 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 excited to be a Raptors fan again. Yeah, Not that no, I ever ex- wasn't. Yeah, no, exactly. Not that I'm. I don't know if I'm as bullet. There is a path to the finals. I I wouldn't say we're favorites by any means, and it would be an underdog story to make it there. And we need to get more out of a center option out of Baines. We need a lot more out of Baines. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be there as far as Boucher and uh, you to even though he got, we'll talk about that poster a little later, but still a great player defensively. Yeah. And I mean, by the time this show comes out, the Raptors very well could be in fourth place. The Celtics could lose to the Pelicans this afternoon, and then we would beat the Sixers, and we'd be fourth in the East, just like that. One game behind, uh, two games, two games behind the Celtics. I mean, the Bucks for the three seed. Yeah, it's that close. It really yeah, is this, that close. This uh, this game tonight is huge, um, especially because. Embiid's been so hot, especially in the post. Um, I don't know what we're I'm gonna do here. about that. Yeah, Embiid's I'm. I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm more curious than worried how we're gonna deal with it. It's funny people are talking about like the um, uh, showing the Powell's bench numbers versus numbers as a starter, and of course he's like amazing as a starter, not as amazing as a bench player. Low key, the same could be said with Baines in the opposite direction ever since Baines has gone to the bench he hasn't been good I'm not mistaken as he's been good and I was looking to slander Baines yesterday so I went on basketball reference just to look at his field goal percentage within like the restricted area three to ten feet it's it's so it's so bad the only one worse on the team is um Van Vliet but he's he gets to the line and whatever um he's he has played better since he's moved to the bench and I think I think Nurse is putting him in a better situation defensively. Uh, offensively, um, you're still just not there. But to, yeah, tonight tonight will be a test. Tonight will also be a test for just the defense in general, like rotations, because we're we're we can't play the whole game with one of with Baines on the floor. So, I mean, the rotations between the doubling and um, recovering back to the shooters. I think I think they have a fully healthy team. I think all their shooters will be playing tonight. I'm curious to see that because our defense has been swarming the past three games, especially against the Bucks, and a big part of that I feel like has been um, Nurse's game planning, or maybe the other coaches' lack of game planning. In Budenholzer's case, um, that kind of got some attention. The two Bucks games, but I'm yeah, no, I'm looking forward to tonight as well. Exactly, and the. I mean, the thing with Baines is we were super high on him in the summer when we heard he was coming. But if you, mm-hmm. like you said, you take a look at his basketball reference page, and last year was an anomaly. I mean, he he's along his career averages this year. It's just that he's in the position as our starting center, and it's not great. It's really not ideal for his, like his skill set, especially as he ages. Yeah, honestly. I I still offensively like looking at I assume you're referring more to the um just like the points and three point percentage and attempts a game. I, I mean, still his rebounds is even along his career average as well. Yeah, well he has the for re, like rebound wise, you just need to play minutes and he hasn't been getting minutes. He doesn't deserve minutes. But in terms of the like um the kind of points, 
I just I still think you have to have him out on the corner rather than in the paint. You just can't finish in the paint and, and hope he hits the threes. I think if we played him a bit more uh, in that kind of way, we get some more out of him. But it seems like Nurse is pretty set on not not doing that, which I don't know. But yeah, I I, I think he has been pl- being playing better this whole time. We're talking. I am trying to find the two minute report from last night's um, two-minute referee report from last night's um, Golden State and Charlotte game because it was hilarious. Yeah, I know. While you pull that up, I can just just let me know when you got it. But especially with the Raptors, other things we have to consider as far as, I mean, I don't think, I think DeMarcus Cousins is way more likely to land in Brooklyn. I, uh, yeah, I'm, miss me with DeMarcus Cousins. We don't, we don't, we don't need that in our lives. I don't know. I mean, I feel like he's been humbled a lot in his career and he would be better than Aaron Baines. It's not oh, it's totally not about the um it's totally not about the 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 mindset to me. It's it's about he's actually just terrible on defense. If he was okay on defense, then I mean, he wouldn't have been cut from Houston. Other teams would give him a chance cuz he costs nothing. It's I, like I doubt at this point he's a terrible locker room guy i really just think this guy's way too slow to play in the modern nba and like we don't need more offense we're now in the i think ninth best offensive rating in the league and we're now 11th defensive we don't we don't need to be looking for these like small i, I just don't think it improves either side the no, Marcus cousins and i mean i'm sure you have the same opi- opinion on an andre drummond as well yeah, I mean Drummond, I just have no interest in. I'd probably make us better. Um, I we wouldn't run in any of our offense through him. I hope at least like he'd go back down to being like a. I saw he was yeah his usage percentage this year is at thirty percent, which is actually insane if you think about it. He'd go he'd go back down to like eighteen percent in our offense, I assume. So honestly, like I, in that sense, I'd, I'd be down for Drummond just because like he, he makes more sense. He can finish at the rim. He can at least get offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, he's a terrible rim protector and defensive player. But again, in the paint, he, like he, he's a big body. He occupies space. Um, but like Drummond's just better. Drummond's still better than any option we have right now. The issue with that would be, it would probably look like us getting rid of Powell which is and, not worth it, just salary wise, even. Yeah, it would. Powell's, yeah, making the salaries work would be difficult. It would probably be Powell. Stanley Johnson's being paid more than we think. He's he has he had a qualifying playing op, player option like five million last year. He's being paid like five right now, I think. It would have to be like them too. And or maybe they take Baines' contract. It would have to be them too and um, a pick, which like. Even though it's unlikely we re-sign Powell now that he's played so well, and he'll probably he'll demand like a fairly large contract um, this off season, most likely. Um, I f- I'm still down to keep him for the to the end. I don't think we need to trade him, unless if there's a first round pick available. Yeah, no, Powell. This is this is going to be the height of Norman Powell's value value right now. Correct. Yeah. If we want to trade him, it has to be within the next like two weeks to the month trade deadline type deal where, but I don't know if we're selling. I mean, Powell's been great. I don't think we'd be on this runner back in the playoff contention. Like we were talking about for that fourth seed. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think we should. I don't think we should sell at this point again, unless if there's first rounders available. I think first rounders are just too valuable not to pick up, especially when everything's changes so much in the NBA, and that first rounder could end up being like a fifth overall pick, depending on an injury or a crazy trade or free agency signing. Um, Did you find that a two minute report? No, I still haven't found. It. I don't think I'm going to, to be honest. Um, I'm trying to think who would have it. Anyways, um, as far as trade offs, is the, does that mean you wouldn't be open to trading Kyle Lowry as well? Again, if it's a if it's a good first, I'll do it for anything. Good first round picks just make too much sense not to trade for in the NBA because not just because like you get to draft a player because it makes you so flexible the next time. Who knows, throws a fit wherever, who's a star, you have first-round picks, you can trade for him. Um, I think this is too valuable. But like like I said, it, it's, it's we're definitely not the best, second or third best team in the Eastern Conference, but like I, I do see a path to the NBA Finals, as ridiculous as it sounds. We can beat, as I said, we can beat Milwaukee, we can beat Boston. All it takes is from an, an injury from Brooklyn, which... Out of those three players, I mean, Harden's probably safe on that end. But Kyron Durant, very injury-prone. Philadelphia, you never know what's going to happen to Embiid or Simmons down the stretch. So I, I think I think we stay pat. Um, the only thing is if you can acquire like a, like a JaVale McGee, Larry Nance Jr., I, I, the more I think about it, the more I miss Jakob Pertl. You probably can't acquire him unless if you're, I don't know what, San Antonio would take, but and you're just looking for a cheap, inexpensive big man, not necessarily a, like a really good one, just an average one who you know can fill minutes if and when we have to play a Philadelphia. Just a rim protector and rebounder. Exactly. Finish in the dunker spot. It's exactly. Like, it shouldn't be this hard, but yet with the, like, I mean, if we want to transition to this kind of the reemergence of centers in the NBA as mm-hmm. kind of the most unstoppable force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I, it's becoming way more valuable to kind of have somebody who can stop an Embiid or mm-hmm. be able to grab rebounds in these tough situations. Mm-hmm. Especially because like I've watched, I think I want to say, I hope I'm not just straight up lying two Philadelphia and Indiana Pacers games this year. And Embiid has totally been, in those two games, he's not looked good. And that's because, like, uh, uh, the Embiid-Lakers game, he actually played well against Gasol for, like, the first time ever. But um, the Miles Turner, who I actually would toss up between him and Gobert, Turner deserves some recognition for Defensive Player of the Year, though, in my opinion. Um. And B didn't look good. So in this like game of basketball where you can like so directly see who your opponents are, like years past when people thought can perceived Giannis as a bigger threat, and years, years past when people were aware of LeBron as the biggest threat. The big thing was finding a LeBron slash Giannis stopper. Now in the East it feels like a bit you can't really find a Durant Harden. Kyrie Irving stopper, they're they're too good. You just look for the most athletic long wings as you can. But like finding an Embiid stopper, that 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 is and should be a legit strategy. It's a strategy that worked with Gasol when we had him here. Um, yeah, the reemergence of big men in the NBA have been real this season. 
I think if I were to narrow down my six MVP candidates right now, I think three of them would be like straight centers. And I don't blame you at all for it. I mean, is this just a, you think, just kind of the ebbs and flows of the NBA, the 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 small like the smaller players or the guards learn to adapt and find a new space in the game like with the three-point line as we saw and then the bigs kind of adapt the way they train they prepare with different types of skills and then again is do you think this is an ebb and flow or now do you think that now that the three-point game has expanded as far as these huge revolutionary things in basketball that could tip the scales again do you think we're going to keep staying in this type of big man era or is this just because of the players that and the talent that's available. Uh it's a good it's a good question to ponder, definitely. Um I'd say people say it's a guards game, which I've always kind of agreed but disagreed with. It feels like guards control the game for the most part. When I say guards, I mean like really, really ball handling point guards, shooting guards. But then you look at the teams who have won the finals and the best players of all time, LeBron. Not the best players all the time. The people who have had a lot of success recently. LeBron, KD, Giannis, Kawhi, Steph Curry. I feel like, and then you can maybe throw Harden in there. Those are all the guys who have had a lot, a lot of success lately. They're all wings. I feel like it's a wings game, and it always will be, just because at you know, 6'8", you can, you can do the most on the court, on the offensive and defensive end. But like, I'm not I'm not really buying the like this whole new the the like the that centers are in now even though they haven't been for the past 5 years. I think it's a case of all three. When I was mentioning the top, the three of the six MVP candidates, it would probably be Jokic would be my first uh front runner for MVP right now. Um Embiid would probably be second or third close to guys like LeBron, Kawhi, and then Gobert would be somewhere up like five or six just because the Jazz have played so well this season. But like, it all seems kind of situational and circumstantial. Like, Embiid, I, tell me what you think about this, but Embiid hasn't, n- none of, maybe Jokic a bit, but none of Embiid, Jokic, or Gobert have, like, quantifiably improved from last season to this season? I think it's safe to say Embiid has improved. Yeah? Like, as far like, as his physicality, like, being able to be out there in the fourth quarter and still be able to continue to dominate. I mean, we saw it in his 50-point performance this past week. And I don't know. I just feel like he's looked way sturdier out there as far as his durability and ability to stay on the court and play hard throughout that time on the court. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with that. His durability has been like his, he's in shape. Um, and I'd also say that his decision making in the post has been better. He doesn't really throw the ball away anymore and he finds the right guy, which was what happens when you have shooters with him. But out of Jokic and Beater Gobert, like pure skill wise, like, like let's say if DeRozan was always adding something in the offseason, whether that be dribbling or or another aspect of his game. What aspect of the of any of those three games, those three guys' games felt like they've it's really improved over the offseason? Just but through watching in numbers. I mean, 
That's definitely hard to say as in terms of one skill. I'd say Yochik, uh, Yochik is like, I don't know, maybe Joel in the post, but nothing major. That is a good thing. Yeah, so that's the point. I totally agree with you. Nothing major. So I, uh, to be honest, I, I think all of the like, the big man hype right now is is extremely circumstantial. I think the Sixers are just finally putting it together and the coaching and roster is better. I think Embiid has probably been this good for the past like year and a half, maybe. Although he's, again, like we just said, his conditioning and post-decision making has been much better. Jokic is entirely situational. He just has to handle the ball more now that certain players are gone. Um, and then Gobert, He's been doing this for the past however many years. His team's just winning all the much more often. Um, so it's like it, it seems situational to me. I, I bet you, you we revisit this topic th- like four months from now when the playoffs are starting. Uh, we're going back to saying that big men are not all that, not all that much. I uh, but it, it is interesting because it hasn't felt like. There have been three such clut- so like clear cut centers because all three are clear cut centers. They're they're nothing else. Um, who have been like at the top of the MVP rankings in a while, to me at least. No, for sure. And I'll leave you off with the, kind of this one question on this center conversation. If um you switched uh Yochik and Embiid. On their teams, who would be in the like best situation? Would Joel be playing better on the Nuggets, or would Yochik be playing better on the Seventy Sixers? Um, that's a good question. You could approach that a couple different ways. That was like the Levine Donovan Mitchell debate, which I'm now. Other than Levine, well, Levine is terrible at defense, but other than the attitude difference, I'd I'd probably take Levine over Mitchell. Mitchell, um, but. I don't think that's that much of a skill-based question. I think they're both crazy skilled in their own right. Um, they do different things, but I just based on Embiid being in the East, um, I think you put Jokic and Jokic's skill set is a bit more transferable to different teams. I think you put Jokic on the Sixers, and they're they're much better than Embiid. I think you bring Embiid over to the Nuggets, and they're maybe. Uh, you know, a, a, a tick worse. Not a big difference, though. I just think it's the East-West thing. Skill-wise, they they do different things, but I think the sum of their skills and uh, quality of play probably near each other, realistically. No, for sure. And I think my... When I first pondered that question, I guess I would I thought immediately that Yochik would fit better in the team build in Philadelphia as far as complementing Ben Simmons and what he can do there. Mm-hmm. And also then in that same spot, I was like, maybe that inside-outside game with Joel and Jamal would also be next level. Yeah, the Jamal-Jokic game, it's an interesting one, but I feel like... I don't know it, it. I've watched it. I don't. I don't know honestly. The Jokic, the Jokic Murray game. It felt like it, it was really good two years ago, and it, it stayed really good. But in a way, it doesn't like necessarily felt like it's improved all that much because I don't think Murray maybe has improved a crazy amount. 
Um, one topic I did want to kind of get to is that um, Embiid's card value. Embiid's so if the listeners who don't know, I'm pretty big into collecting rookie cards of players. Um, that you just wait in value. It's kind of it's kind of like the stock market for NBA players. You buy the rookie cards because the rookie cards are the least exp- or not sorry, excuse me, the least expensive. Uh, they're the most rare, and then that card will hold the most value throughout their career. So, for example, a LeBron rookie card from two thousand three two thousand four will cost you in mint condition. It will cost you uh, like a boatload of money, like fifty hundred k whatever. Um, didn't do much in his rookie season, whereas, you know, a LeBron rookie card, sorry, excuse me, a LeBron card in perfect condition in his like 2013 MVP season, that could cost like $10. Um, the Jokic and Embiid card prices recently have been crazy. So the first thing that I don't totally understand about the two is that about three, three, four weeks ago, Jokic was at 250. And Embiid was hovering around 70. At that time, I bought one Jokic and one Embiid. I think the Embiid was maybe for a bit more like 75. But I just totally didn't understand the difference, like the difference in prices. Um, One was that there were just more Embiid cards out on the market. He was the, I think, fourth overall pick. Jokic was like the 28th. So they, Panini produced more uh, Embiid cards. Therefore, they're they're um whatchamacallit yeah they're just they're just they're just more rare uh they're less rare rather um but seeing both of the cards explode in the past month have been crazy like i've held for example like a bam out of bio card for years and i i i bought it like 15 and like it's only raised a bit but in this past month i think Embiid's price has raised from like 75 dollars to 140 and Jokic's is raised from like something nuts like 260 to like 320, which is kind of interesting. I, I feel like Embiid should be worth a bit more, but at the same time, it's like kind of neat to see where the market puts people at. In this case, the market is putting Jokic or is estimating for Jokic to have a way better career than Embiid. Which I'm not entirely sure of. I'm not sure why Jokic's long game is is like like long range expectations are probably higher than Embiid's just because he can stay healthy, and his type of game he has translates better. Like in that sense, like who knows? Jokic could be doing this for another five years, not get injured once, and then have like not similar. But like, cl- uh, but close to these numbers for like the back end of his career, and he could end up actually losing, amassing a lot of points, which is kind of how these stock markets go. Versus Embiid, who's much more volatile, I guess. He can get injured, or you know, Ben Simmons can get traded in Philadelphia. It could be a mess at any time. All that kind of things. But that's another. Um, now that we talk about the difference between kind of Embiid and Jokic. I was I was very interesting to see interested to see that their their card differences on the on the market were so different. Uh, Thomas just got back with us. I was just telling the audience 
on the market right now, Jokic, and Jokic's card is is more rare than Embiid's. But we were just talking about you know who's better and put, swap their situations. But Jokic's rookie card is going for about, I think it's it's two, it's like three twenty right now. It was going for like around two sixty a month ago, and Embiid's was going for around seventy five a month ago, and his is now going for like one thirty, one forty. So I think if that gives you any intel, I think the consensus is that Jokic. Jokic's ceiling and just uh, stuff in general, I think, is much higher than Embiid's actually. But Embiid is definitely the more interesting one, the more the one you want to talk about more. Jokic, it feels like Jokic just does nothing wrong, so it's almost like not even worth chatting about him. He's just like good at everything. And I mean, as far as the card talk goes. There's, I love kind of watching that. And have you looked at all that that NBA Top Shot thing I mentioned a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, you mentioned it. And my inclination with these things is that it looked like it looked cool. Um, it looked like maybe like a smart investment. But if like for me, I just like I I didn't care enough. And the only reason I would have invested in it was for me to not feel left out. So I didn't feel it was worth it for me. But I just saw like Bleacher Report just post an article that a LeBron windmill uh, dunk from earlier this year against, I think it was maybe either Portland or Houston, went for 44000 And so, yeah, no, Top Shot will be, is going to be the next big thing. I'm, I'm curious what your kind of holdings in it are right now. But I'm, I don't think I'm interested enough in it, but it does seem like it's it's definitely popping off for sure. No, I'm 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 I got pretty lucky in it as far as I've bought a couple of the packs on it near the start and I still don't know too much, so I preference that for everybody to do their own research before they end up going into it, of course, if they decide to. But um I had a Zion earlier this week that I sold for a rep that I got when I first initially got it, it was around sixty dollars. It was like a common one. So that means essentially that NBA Top Shot could continue to sell more copies of that Zion so it becomes less limited over time. And right. I've had it for a while and I was kind of, when that I heard that news, I became kind of lower on it because I'm like, oh, these cards, like, I'm not necessarily how sure like this Zion will hold its value as Zion gets more and more and more highlights throughout his career. Maybe I'll just try to sell it now. So I listed it up for about like $40 over its asking price. Flash forward a couple of weeks, Gary V and Logan Paul both talk about it inter- interdependently. It blows up, it sells overnight for my listing price. But beyond that, I mean, one thing I was really lucky to sell is I did pull a limited edition uh, second series LeBron dunk that when I first got it was selling for $300. Uh, When I checked on Thursday, it was selling for $800. And then right now the cheapest one up is for 1.5K. So So I mean- Are you going to hold that? I didn't realize it was this high until I legitimately just checked it right now. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it's tough. It's tough. It's a tough decision to make. Yeah. It would be the lowest asking price, so I could probably get it. Mm-hmm. My fear with all this stuff is, and holding these things, or that um, it's become really popular during the pandemic because it's like if people aren't going out, seeing friends, going to sporting events, and that stuff, well, they have to kind of look for their interesting sort of things somewhere else and spend their money somewhere else we're just a consumer society at the end of the day we just want to consume 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 and so when we're stuck indoors um we tend to you know go to things like the stock market or sports betting or in our case um 
you know, sports cards, rookie cards, or in your case, Top Shot, even though it sounds like you're, you haven't fully, you haven't gone full blown investment, uh, Top Shot investment yet. I mean, um, that being said, I've only spent, I mean, just now I'm just checking some of them. So I've only spent $50 on everything all in. Man, you make me want to, I feel like I'm like, about two weeks too late but you're yeah, making me want to we're like three days too late so take this in so when i sold my zion for 90 dollars, i was like okay i'm gonna reinvest that invest that in some series one limited edition moments so essentially from the first edition that was released series one like nobody's really on that i see a markel fultz is only going for 49 dollars for one of it like one of a series like his essentially his first ever moment on the site I buy it. I just checked that moment. Now it's $170. I mean, it's actually kind of blowing my mind. And I did that as well with Joe Harris for 51 and he's now at 150 Oh, especially because he just had that crazy game against the Jazz? Yeah, against the Jazz. He's, Joe Harris is crazy, by the way. Um, and beyond that, I also have Donovan Mitchell Limited Edition, Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony Limited Edition, Tobias Harris Limited Edition, DeMonte Sabonis Limited Edition. Jeremy Grant limited edition, RJ Barrett limited edition, Kawhi limited edition. Um, I mean, yeah. So, like you just said, you're probably you just said I was three days too late. Um, the thing is, it will just keep on going up because the like, it, 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 I definitely when you told me about it and I saw a bit about it, I ignored it and I knew it would go up, but obviously I wasn't aware of this much. But like. Realistically, if I do it now, or we both do it now, it's still smart. Like, what? It's only going to go up from here. But again, going back to the thing I was just saying, like, after all this is over and we can go to like sporting events and and travel and spend our money elsewhere, um, and really get our entertainment elsewhere, elsewhere, consume elsewhere. Do you think I'm kind of scared of these types of markets? Like, I feel like people may stop. Not that people will stop caring because the ones who care will always care and the ones who don't care just won't care but like i feel like the the just cash flow within them and the attention will just lower um that's the one thing i am worried about but if there's like if there's a time to get in it it's definitely now versus four months from now i mean i think you're spot on uh kind of with that evaluation i worry about the exact same thing as soon as the hype dies the prices will go down I'm just, like it feels like this should be a bubble. I don't know. I mean, are people do people really want to legitimately own these moments and have these moments, or do they think it's a way to make money? Right. So it's exactly. Well, that's why that's why I originally wasn't. I I find the idea of like sports cards actually kind of cool to be honest. Like especially that you had like a player's rookie card because there's have like an age. They have a physical aspect to them. They have like a only certain amounts exist aspect to them. And it's like sports trading cards have been popular for centuries. So that's why I'm kind of, I got interested in that. But like I, as much as I admit that it, and when you were telling me too, like you were, you were clearly just like, yeah, this is the right thing to do. And you, you were right. But I just like had no interest in it. So, you know, never really took part, but yeah, it is interesting to see. But like also, as you were just saying, like, oh, is it a bubble? They they said, and I I pray that this doesn't turn into a cryptocurrency or stock trading podcast. But they said Bitcoin was a bubble. I in first year I got sorry three years ago I paid a lot for Bitcoin. It the net over the next week I think I I got it at somewhere around twelve thousand. 
and the next week it shot up to like i want to say 17 and it just busted all the way back down haven't even i just i was like okay i'm not gonna sell like i already put a lot of money in and it's not worth recuperating it back like i'm just gonna hold it um bitcoin will get popping again on the internet i don't know if it's ever going to be used as a proper currency but it will the internet has a way of recycling things bitcoin will be popular again and here we are three years later and it's my portfolio which was one once i think 200 is now around five yeah i mean exactly the problem is is we both like in your case with bitcoin in my case here is we're both in relatively early but Mm -hmm. we just don't really understand it too well no clue although i i i'm getting there's not that much to understand about the sports card stuff but i'm get i want to say i'm getting to i'm getting to get a good sense of what's worth it and what's not so just to give you a sense of kind of um how much the nba top shot has grown since i first mentioned it to you so when i first mentioned it to you i put in like 15 dollars and i bought like an arrangement of moments one of them was a fred van vliet one that cost me two dollars it's now worth 44 dollars that's I had two of them. I had one that I had just listed for $10 that just sold automatically a couple of days ago by accident because I wasn't paying too much attention. Like I forgot about this essentially. That's, That's what's blowing my mind. So what, yeah, what's blowing my mind is that like your situation is not, it sounds like the profits you can or have made are pretty significant, but what about no the profits people? until I sell, but yeah. But my thing is like, what about the people who got in like a month before you and then went like full bank on it like invest in a ton of moments they're making like crazy crazy profits so yeah it's definitely interesting going for man the more we talk about it the more i think i want to try this top shot thing but i don't i think i i think i'm actually gonna stay to sports cards sports cards are fun they just it the issue with sports cards it takes so long for them to it takes like years and you have to have them for years yeah, I mean, this is all growing extremely rapidly. I just want to check where that. So that's okay. So I made a mistake on that. On the Zion, I sold for ninety dollars three days ago. Now it goes for uh, five hundred dollars. Okay, that's <laughs> so, significant. So I mean, yeah, no mistakes. Like, like that just shows how little I know about it or how like much crazy and volatile but, it really is. Yeah, that I'd say I'd I'd revert back to being volatile. Like it's. It's like it's like one you like you said you don't know if this popular four hundred dollar swing which then yeah. I turned into two other guys that swung up but not nearly as much so I really only lost a hundred to two hundred dollars but it's it's like it's still that seems like a lot of money but when I only put in fifty dollars it's all relative I guess mm-hmm. and it, it's to me it's like you don't know which like one Bleach Report or NBC or or this famous podcast is gonna cover top shots so it's like the volatility is crazy to me i i guess we are turning to a market show right now yeah i think I we put, can navigate off it for sure yeah i put i just want to end with this i put i think about 300 dollars into pen gaming in maybe march or may when it was at i want to say like four dollars went up to 30 dollars in june took it out it's now at 120 so it's like ugh. Yeah, yeah, this isn't worth talking about that much. 
No, because as far as like, I want to just reinforce it all with as far as speculative knowledge about this all. We know nothing. I have minimal. I've been yeah. watching the news and doing anything else like somebody who's just like kind of heard about this earlier on and thought it was interesting. NBA moments. I like NBA collectibles. So that's why I first initially joined it. So almost the financial and kind of money-making side of it is daunting to me, I'd say. That's why I'm sharing it the most. It's just because it kind of blows my mind, this the money that's seemingly in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, make, make no mistake. We are two individual monkeys throwing darts at a dartboard. Nothing more, nothing less. Everybody's a genius in a bull market. Yeah, although what I've heard <laughs> is that things only rise. Yeah, we'll get away from that. Um, speaking of all these, speaking of all these, um, I was just saying at the beginning of the show how I had been getting back into more of the watching of the NBA, and now that announcers are kind of done with football, and all the NBA games are are, are kind of big market, a lot of national televised games on the weekends. Um, the broadcasters have been hitting every single game. Good broadcasters. Uh, we got Hubie Brown, Bill Pash, the Jack. I I don't know what I'm saying. Either way, I'm 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 excited to enjoy. Now that basketball is back in prime time, I'm excited to enjoy the broadcasters who are back in uh, prime time. I think for this week's window of the week, we're gonna do our favorite basketball slash NBA broadcasters. And in making this list, I was astounded because I have like I have twenty guys on my list. I have also females on my list. Um, but we could have done like, for me at least, like three separate lists of our favorite, and we could have also separated it from like color and color commentary versus what's the other one called? Or no, it's color oh, versus no analyst. Uh, who cares? But we could also do one like best catchphrase, but. For the sake of today, I guess we can just do best broadcasters in general. I'm excited for this one, though. I mean, if I've got to be completely honest, I think your sportscaster knowledge far outweighs mine. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I like listening to it, but many times I just have the game on without the volume, if I'm being oh, completely honest. That's the thing. If I can tune into like a Lakers-Clippers game, and if it's the Lakers like home broadcaster doing it. I'm hearing them. I'm hearing their version of like Devlin and Routen slash Armstrong. Routen slash Armstrong are great. Or, or it's not Routen slash Armstrong. Uh, Devlin slash Armstrong is great, by the way. I, 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 the Lakers version, I won't listen to it. But if it's, if it's Breen, Jackson, Van Gundy, I'm volume all the way up. I'm listening to everything they say. I'm, yeah, I'm big into the broadcasting um, sphere world it totally affects my mood while watching the game too um especially during the last parts of the game that being said uh i'm easy i can go first i can go second um is there anywhere i forget who drafted first last week though i guess it doesn't matter i'll take the first one for this just because i feel like there's only one person i do want to draft okay so I'd go first with Mike Breen. I mean, the bang is iconic. I feel no like doubt. it's complemented so many iconic moments so well as far as just being something that's set around playgrounds now and just during common plature, just as far as like when you hit a huge shot that I'm not even going to try to replicate it, but we all know what it sounds like. Yeah, no, the thought of someone 
who isn't Mike Breen copying it doesn't seem right. Only Mike Breen can give the bang. I just off the top of my head, the best bangs I've ever heard were the Doncic double bang from the uh, bubble was pretty good. Oh. Rarely does Mike Breen hit you with a double bang, but when he does, it is something to behold. Um, of course, there's the Curry when he pulled up from basically half court to beat the Thunder. There's there's that bang. And then, of course, there's the Ray Allen corner three in game six, the NBA finals bang. Those three come to mind. Those are those are pretty good bangs. No, I can't I think, think of anything else. No. And I mean, it's an iconic one. Nonetheless, the double bang was great. And just a reminder of, I mean, that shot is forever going to be iconic. Yeah. Also, whenever whenever Van Vliet hits like a, a deep three pointer with like a high arc, I don't remember if you remember from the finals. He was, I was upset because Breen wouldn't give any of our players bangs except for the first bang he gave any of our players was Van Vliet in Game Five when he hit this crazy arc shot. Um, or game no, it was Game Six in Oracle, and that that's also high my memories. Something people don't want to talk about with Mike Breen, which I think is a great call too. His puts it in call is fantastic and i'm not going to do it justice but when he really gives it the like like he's kind of like mundane about it blank blank is dribbling to the side to side and uh, puts it in i think that's <laughs> an und- i think that's an underrated one too it's pretty good no one no one no one does it like mike breen that's a good first pick yeah i mean you can't go wrong there yeah okay uh looks like i'm up to bat so the first one i'll, I'll go in the same same kind of vein as you just a play-by-play guy i'm going with kevin harlan he's yeah great he's, pick. he's not necessarily my favorite but he's i think he's the best he's it's even one that you know when you're watching the uh the canadian the nba games on like a canadian feed and that nba store commercial comes up and you just hear his voice yelling like maybe you don't that's fine anyways he just constantly excites me um I don't know if you've ever seen it, but maybe after this, you can look up the YouTube video of Kevin Harlan loves Ivica Zubac. Zubac has this crazy game and Harlan's going wild. He Harlan loves Zubac. It's pretty funny, but Harlan's just the best. Uh, he gets excited over things that shouldn't be excitable. Um, yeah, there's nothing like tuning in, hearing his voice. Um, my next one, which is realistically my favorite, um he works on the broadcast in the broadcast booth with your first pick mike breen it's jeff van gundy uh i loved him as a coach but it seems like as a, a, a commentator a color analyst he his takes aren't always relevant or necessary but they're always what every like every basketball fan who's like slightly above a casual fan are thinking like all of his takes on like like refereeing, officiating, like flopping, all that stuff is literally like, I feel like he's just saying everything that the fan who who cares maybe or looks into a, the game a bit more, the more than the casual fan is thinking in their mind. And he just finds a way of just uh, kind of expressing it perfectly. Um, also, it's always good to have like a broadcaster who's had actual NBA experience. He was a he coached the Knicks. Uh, he coached a bunch of teams, uh, the Rockets, but he's, yeah, he's coached superstars. So every time he tells a story about Trace McGrady, Ewing, Jordan, um, Robin, we can appreciate that too, which I like. But yeah, Van, Van Gundy just seems like 
if there was actually one guy I would just want to have sit down and have an hour conversation with, it would it would be him. He seems like such a like cool and genuine guy. No, I think Stan Van Gundy's a great pick, and I mean he's one of those guys that I think you can put in. Uh, and that kind of Tony Romo echelon as far as breaking down the game for the viewer yeah. in a way that not many commentators can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from like the coaching, just as Romo is like the quarterback, he sees the whole field. Van Gundy is the coach. Same, same kind of shtick. Yeah. And now I got two back to back. And I think this one might come as a shock, but I was hoping to go get the Kevin Harlan pick earlier, but obviously that's a tough one to get. So I'm going to go for not his partner in uh, real life necessarily, but I mean, I'm going to go for Clark Kellogg mm. as my pick. He is the, he has been, I mentioned I didn't really listen to announcers he's, too much. Yeah. He's the NBA he's, 2K announcer. He's been the 2K announcer for three years now. And yeah. I've heard loads of Clark Kellogg takes. I, I like, I like him too. Yeah. He, I don't voice is just like, it's like, he has like the commercial voice, like the, he could say anything and it just sounds proper. It sounds nice, you know? You can use it for any highlights. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, Kevin. I mean, he really put that one right back where it, like, I don't even, I'm not even going to try to do it justice, even though I did. I mean, I didn't do it just, but even though I tried. But in that take, I mean, I've heard, I mean, he's been there for so long. Well, I mean, the past three years, as far as the 2K announcer, I've heard loads of his takes. He's great. I mean, he does a good job with the Pacers as well in real life, but mainly I'm picking him for his 2K attributes. <laughs> I agree. No, he's he makes playing the game a lot, like a lot like you like you feel like you don't even th- like it's just seamless. I love his voice too. It's a good pick. And then for my next pick, with that being said, as far as the commentators I listen to the most to, I don't know how you're going to take this one. I'm going to pick Jack Armstrong. I I love it. I think man, Jack Armstrong is the best. Yeah, I've loved Jack Jack Armstrong. I mean. He adds in the thing that brings every like as far as it being not just uh, uh, tr- uh, like Toronto's team, Ontario's team, Canada's team. He brings in different locations from around Canada as far as m- making people feel connected, put a smile on their face during the broadcast, get that garbage out of here is iconic. I mean, there's just so many other of these uh, small little personality things that just may, uh, helps him light up the broadcast as far as also helping be the voice of our championship run in the games that he was. And then that being said, uh, ran into him in real life, just very shortly, super nice guy, happy to talk. So can't say enough nice things about Jack Armstrong. Yeah. Everyone from Toronto will only say good things. Everyone in general will only say good things about Armstrong. The one thing I'll add about that, which the Armstrong, which is kind of interesting. um, As Toronto fans, I, I, you probably feel similarly, hopefully, you're like we're like Devlin and Armstrong are amazing like and we go to other we see we watch other broadcasts when we happen to be another place and we're like why are these guys so bad and maybe we take Devlin and Armstrong for granted maybe we don't but I don't think we realize how they're actually really lauded around the league like Devlin Devlin gets allegedly a lot of job offers to work when he's not doing the Raptors. Um, he was doing college football before. He's great. And then Armstrong gets a lot of like, like national broadcasting awards too. And they're, they're like known around the NBA for being great. So I actually do think we kind of take it for granted a bit, but I like, again, like you said, Jack Armstrong, just 10 out of 10 guy. There's not many like him. No, exactly. 
Uh, I'm going for two here. Uh, the first one, I'll, I'll go with Gus Johnson. Um, Gus is just electric. He's an electric factory. There's no other way of saying it. Uh, if you don't know who Gus Johnson is, he's the guy who's screaming at the top of his lungs and getting excited over everything at all times. Um, he's really the best in football. He doesn't do NBA, by the way. Gus Johnson doesn't. Gus, Gus is the best in you know football, usually, but he historically used to do a lot of March Madness games, and uh, he he's he's definitely the, an answer out of everyone who gets the most excited and yells the most. And his catchphrases are awesome too. I just like it's nice to see like a grown man who's been doing it for so long get so excited over something that's so insignificant. So that's why I'm going with Gus. Um, my next pick, I can go a bunch of ways. Um, I think I want to go color, so that would kind of rule out Marv Albert, Dick Vitale. So I'm going to choose between Dor. I, I was choosing between Doris, Bill Walton, Mark Jackson. Um, they're all three good. I'm going to choose Bill Walton because I think he's hilarious. And whenever like you can add like a, a, that big of like an entertainment aspect to the game, which I think he does. Um, again, he mostly does college hoops. Like every time he's in the booth, it's just a fun time. And like, who who does that apply to? Like when like I can't think of many sports broadcasters who are like genuinely like fun funny make you laugh they're usually enjoyable but they're not usually fun and funny bill walton is that uh he has lost his mind recently due to probably the drugs he takes but um you know he he's great i'll i'll, I'll go with him <laughs> i mean odd way to end it off but i think yeah. both those picks are good picks and I mean, to round off uh, my draft here, I think um, you kind of nailed it on the, I think you kind of picked up, uh, you listed off who I was going to go with is Mark Jackson, as far as just adding to the game and making it all more interesting. I don't often, like I said, listen to commentators, but, or, or uh, personalities as far as that goes, but I think he always has some good takes. Yeah. And yeah, no, shout out Mark Jackson for, I think, Live, he said. He said it on air of live of a, uh, a NBA Finals game. He said he said like shout out to Savannah James, LeBron's wife, because um, everyone was just paying so much attention to like Steph Curry's wife, whatever. Um, Aisha, she kind of commands the headlines. Um, he goes shout out to Savannah. Uh, something like ain't no. You know, actually, I won't say it on the air because it's not. It's it's actually not that appropriate. But, um, but he thought it Mark, was. <laughs> Mark Jackson is a legend. For a second, in my mind, I was like, oh, remember this time he did something legendary and funny? And I went, oh, wait, that was pretty inappropriate. So we saved ourselves there. But yeah, he's he's a legend. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> I completely forgot about that moment. But do you know which one I'm talking about? I don't think I remember the exact clip. I don't know if I know. All of a sudden, you can do video after this. It's nuts. I'm pretty sure. It's so. With that being said, you are listening to CFRC 101.9 FM, The Jabroni Show. Have a great morning. Hey, we're, we're Paragon Cause. And you're listening to JB on CFRC 101.9 101.9 FM. FM.
Hello, I'm Tamara Cicerella, a counselor serving area residents who live with addictions or mental health concerns. Deeply committed workers like me assist people in reaching their recovery goals. On April 1st, Addictions and Mental Health Services in Kingston and Frontenac joins Lennox and Addicton in offering confidential, quality services. Addictions Mental Health Services, Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox and Addington is committed to providing the best possible services to all who need it. For more information in Kingston and Frontenac, call 613-544-1356 or in Lennox and Addington, 613-354-7388.